With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We all take on different roles every day. One minute you're a parent, the next a chef, or a driver. That's why the Volvo XC40 Recharge is designed to be as versatile as you are. It's fully electric and includes a 360-degree camera, Google built-in, and more. Contact your local retailer to learn more or visit volvocars.com US. The Volvo XC40 Recharge. For every you. Some equipment optional. Google is a trademark of Google LLC. Hello and welcome to the five-year plan podcast. Pod four one four, and it's uh, the week. Palace have lost three-one at home to Kevin French. Sorry, Liverpool at Park. <laughs> and we'll be discussing that game, of course, um, with Kevin Day. Hello, how are you doing? Hello, I'm fine, thank you. I apologise for being called Kevin just for the week. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, also here is Jack Pierce. Hello, Jack. How are you? Hey, JD. Um, and uh, just uh, to let the listener know, for the highest bidder, I am willing to provide Kevin Friend's home address. So <laughs> just putting it out there, first and foremost. Um, I, I can't get over it. I, I'm, I'm still struggling nearly 48 hours on from kickoff with that performance. But let's um, let's talk about it because I think I need to talk about it. Indeed, that's why we're here. Also talking about that with us, welcoming back, uh, Chloe Petz. Chloe, how you doing? Hi, <clears throat> thanks for having me. Um, Kevin Friend, more like Kevin, not my friend. Um, <laughs> here we go, that's what we're talking about. Look, I- I'm here with a sick Burns, you can't stop me. I've also- Ke- Kevin Enemy, there's another one, that's one. Excellent, um, you can combine two, Kevin Frenemy, is that? Mm, no, no, there's no, no. There's, there's no threat to be had, mate, there's no threat. <laughs> You have to go and ruin it, don't you, JD? That's what I do. It's what I, <laughs> I was do. on a roll there, mate. <laughs> Sorry. People that don't obviously ruin it is our patrons. So let's have a drum roll for a random uh, patron person, please. It's Mr. Otis Bloom. Hi, Otis. Great Hi, name. Otis. Great name, Otis Bloom. Superb name. Uh, you can join our patron like Otis and get post-match podcasts, patron-only merchandise, access to the patron Discord club at patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast uh and obviously there's merchandise available to everyone patrons get 20 percent off all merch and anyone can buy a podcast merch code uk forward slash fib hyphen podcast mm. before we crack on with slagging off kevin friend um chloe i believe you wanted to mention that you are going on tour oh that's nice oh it's good um good to mention it early because hopefully people will go and buy tickets and then if i have an appalling appearance on the pod um, <laughs> <laughs> that it won't it won't take their view if i uh mention it at the end but yeah i'm going on tour um i've got five dates at the soho theater from may the 3rd to 
May the 7th, I believe. And then I'm doing various dates around the country from the end of May to the middle of June. So, yeah, it's all on, on my website <clears throat> or on my Twitter, which is at Chloe Pets, or my Instagram, which is at Chloe Pets. Thanks for that, mate. I appreciate it. No problem. Always good to get that done uh, early doors. I'll do the same if possible. I've got a couple of shows, uh, one in London, March 24th, 7pm at the Museum of Comedy, uh, Le- Leicester at the LCB Depot, February 19th, 4.15pm, uh, and then one more, Brighton at the Caxton Arms at May 29th, also 4.15pm. Uh, all tickets at jimdailycomedy.com slash gigs. Get oh, the well, admin done early. While we're at it, um, I'm, doing talk <laughs> I'm doing talk sport for 10 minutes yesterday. <laughs> you have no faith in my editing speed do you kevin um, i have no faith in you remembering whether we have sponsors or not either because we do this week but it will be coming up later in the uh, week, so okay. keep an eye out for that um Jack, I think are you go, should... are you going anywhere jack that we I'll, 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 can i can i just let all listeners know that i'm yet to uh, announce my tour dates but i will be <laughs> coming back to the pod with that information <laughs> as soon as anybody wants to book me so jack, uh jack yeah. can, you can you can open for me jack if you like you've got <laughs> Have, you got I, 20 I, in your back pocket? You, you're going to regret that. You're going to regret that. It, it, it's just uh, 20 minutes of a Kevin friend. Hey, I'll tell you what, let's treat this uh, podcast as an audition. Uh, and we'll see how we go. Well, we've got about 20 nice minutes, one. actually, for part one. So we'll start with, we'll go to the, the only Kevin on the podcast. Kevin, your namesake, Kevin mm. friend. <laughs> mm. Um there's so many incidents to talk about. The mm. Firmino offside for the second goal. Uh, the... Benteke not being not being offside, but flagged for offside immediately in the first half, and another one in the first half as well. The Elise head injury that he literally told him to wave play on when he landed oh, on no. his head, <laughs> and Curtis Jones had to tell him to stop play and pick him up, and then of course the penalty at the end. Uh, was that the worst performance by a referee you've seen at Sellers Park? Uh, not forgetting the Gallagher yellow card, which seemed to mystify everybody, as, as well as the Hughes uh, yellow card. Um, just on the subject of being called Kevin. Uh, there was once a stage about 15 years ago in my career was going so badly that there was an international Kevin day uh, and Five Live phoned up to tell me that I wasn't going to be asked <laughs> to be the only person in the world called Kevin Day, not asked to be on radio to talk about international Kevin Day. So that was a burden, my name, as it was on Sunday. It was. I think it's fair to point out before before we talk about what is arguably the worst refereeing performance I can remember at Sellers Park, I think it's... Worth pointing out, that's not entirely the reason we lost. That he he wasn't the reason we played so badly in the first half because we were awful in the first half. We got the tactics completely wrong. The two four. I know Jack won't like me hearing hearing this, but Wardy just was essentially playing as a third centre back. Tyrick kept getting pulled into the middle because we were outnumbered completely. So they were just bombing down the flight. All the things that we said they we shouldn't allow them to do. Uh, Mateta and Edouard didn't do anywhere near enough work to stop them playing. They essentially played with two at the back and, and overwhelmed us in that first half. So that he wasn't the reason we lost, except he was. One of the reasons we struggled, and I was talking to people about this afterwards, is because, and I've spoken to players about this before, he so clearly put, Hughes and Gallagher, after about 10 minutes, weren't put, weren't tackling. They, they, they didn't risk dare risk tackling because he was playing by different rules. Henderson man-marked the referee essentially and, and refereed the game on his behalf for a lot of it. Liverpool, Henderson in particular, were putting tackles in. I, don't, I think it was 38 minutes, somebody said, before we got a free kick. And it's just, it was just mystifying. And it's not, I've said this before, I'm not ashamed of the fact that Graham Paul is a friend of mine. Right? But talking to Graham Paul about refereeing, and he says, when you hear 25,000 people saying the referees are wanker, you kind of feel... Well, 
I don't think I am. I think I've got this right, and I think they will. They may change their mind when they see it. But when it's the whole game, when it's your dad, and when there's a bloke next to me who had his five-year-old son at his first game, and by the end of it, he was encouraging his five-year-old son to <laughs> to, to join in the thing. And also, but what you do know, you know from the player reaction when you've got things wrong, and he would have known when Gallagher. Uh, uh, Alexander Arnold knocked the ball out of play, attacking on our side. It was close to us. The ref pulled it back. We thought he was going to pull it back for offside. He pulled it back for a free kick for Liverpool and yellow carded Gallagher. And you could see Gallagher just going, "What? The, why? What have I yeah. done? And he looked at Alexander Arnold, who who looked, who shrugged, held his hands out. So he obviously didn't know. He, the ref didn't know. He lost. He didn't even lose control of the game. He was in complete control of it. He just wasn't allowing one team to compete in the same way as he allowed the other team to compete. And the worst bit of it for me was there was a moment halfway through the second half when he started conducting, when the, the referee as a wanker thing was coming, and just thought, you smug, arrogant, really? inefficient. Yeah, that. Just had a huge smirk on his face. It's just... It, it's just, you know, you, you, don't, you, you forgive a referee. Like the referee against Villa was terrible. It was his first game. Right? But he was terrible to both sides. He was inexperienced. So you forgive that, because of course he has to learn. But Kevin Friend's an experienced Premier League referee, and he just... He, 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 I, he, it plays into the hands of conspiracy theorists. You just go, well, the Premier League don't want teams like us to beat teams like Liverpool. Because we deserved, we deserved to lose because of our first half performance, but we were playing with one with one hand, one foot behind our back because we didn't put tackles in, in yeah. and we we thought Anthony Taylor was bad at Millwall. Kevin Friend was ten times worse. At, it, was, yeah. it was baffling. It was baffling, and and the Elise head injury one was unforgivable. I mean, that's 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 endangering a player's life. Is is putting it too too strongly, but it's endangering a player's health and fitness, and that's not that's not allowable. That can't be done. And the yeah. The thing with the penalty as well, there's a Keith Hackett, somebody sent me an ex-referee thing in the Telegraph yesterday, which was really good, just saying one of the many problems with VAR is it was Craig Porson in VAR, which doesn't surprise you a bit. Um, but, but he would have said Craig Porson and Kevin Friend would, would not have spoken to each other. After the game, there's no... There's no um, the way that there's no thing in pre- in process for the two referees to talk about what game has just happened, so it, they won't have had a discussion about why. And the, the, before it's a go, the last thing is the biggest surprise was that he did overturn a penalty because he's such an arrogant. He's he's, he's working on Clattenburg levels of arrogance, right? So it it wasn't a penalty, and I'm amazed he didn't overturn it. But and it's a shame because two one with a really good second half performance would have, I would have taken that. But you just walk away angry about what had gone on. Yeah, well, I mean, arguably, Palace could have. I know it was late. The penalty, but could have. We're pushing for an equaliser, really. In the way the play was going, they, they, you know, they were, they were very close. Clattenburg, as it happens, actually written an article in the Daily Mail saying that um, the referee was wrong on all those decisions. So actually, backing Palace. Oh, really? This is the weird situation we're in now. Clattenberg <laughs> is now pro Palace. The end uh, is near. The end is near, guys. <laughs> Say goodbye to your loved ones. You, you know, in his uh, the only interview he's ever done, Clattenberg, about a year ago, which I think he did for a Dubai TV thing. Where he was asked about his biggest regret in football, and he said the decision I made in the FA Cup know. final. Yeah. When I, yeah. And so maybe he's retrospectively trying to make up. But he can't. He's, he's, he, it will never he won't. He won't live long enough to be able no. to make up for what that <laughs> man did to us. No, if you have your way, Kevin. Not if you have your way. <laughs> <laughs> and you're right. Like the atmosphere, oh, the atmosphere in the ground, Chloe, obviously was, was was toxic at times. And I've never heard with the the penalty when they showed it again. It obviously took ages. And where I'm in the main stand, I'm able to look around behind at the. Uh, the media team and you can see the TVs they have so you can sort of see the replays as they're happening. When it was shown on the screen, I've never heard a whole stadium react like that to a decision. Normally you get a murmur of like, hmm, okay. 
the reaction to that was 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 stunning, really. But just picking up on Kevin's point, do you think we've got to the point now where referees should be coming out and explaining, even not even apologising, just saying this is the way I saw it? Do you think that would dissipate fan anger in any way? Well, firstly, I think the reason why everyone groaned so much was because we were expecting, you know, a last five, ten minutes of excitement. And we might not have got the two-all draw, but that the reason that you go to the games is because you want that sort of rush of adrenaline and enthusiasm and, and hope that you can do something and have a grandstand finish. And then when it was taken away in such pathetic and cowardly terms... It, it just felt so disappointing and so inevitable and just representative of where the game is at the moment, which I think is a really horrible thing to say. And I just, I just felt quite sad. Um, what was the, what was the other question? <laughs> I'm they, a very professional ex- start. Should they explain themselves after, after the games? Uh, we, we spoke about this in the pub and I do think it is difficult because there'd be, uh, I think it would be unfair to ask them to do that because there is so much pressure on them as individuals. Um, and I think that my answer to that question would be coloured by the fact that it is Kevin Friend that we're talking about who I think is an arrogant arse. And I, I'm like, yeah, well, yeah, make him come and explain himself. But I think on a on a structural, like institutional level, I don't think the expectation should be of referees that they come out and explain themselves. I think they should be protected to some extent. And I think that this is a problem with the wider issue to, to how we bring referees through. I think we are suffering at the moment because there is just an absolute absence of quantity which leads to an absence of quality because you can't be selective about the referees that you're bringing in. And I think if you watch any championship games, the golfing class between the way that those games are refereed is so evident. So we're just, we're just using the small pool of referees that are available. And I think we need to look at it as a sort of grassroots thing. Cause I refereed when I was, I did all of the courses, the badges when I was 16, 17, 18, I was a schoolgirl and grown men, in their 30s, 40s, some as old as in their 50s, if you'll believe it, Kevin. They, <laughs> oh, I, they, believe um... the, I believe that people get to their 50s, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, but they would, they would scream at me. They yeah. would scream at me. And I was just like, I'm trying to learn here as well. And I'm just, I'm giving up my Sunday to try and make you guys have a game. And like, and, and it was horrible. And, and I just quit. Um and I, I just think, you know, if that's the experience that young referees are having, then, then A, why would you do it? And B, if you do do it, you're going to be a really specific sort of person who is like Kevin Friend, yeah. Mark Klassenberg, Mike yeah. Dean, who are like one removed from being a narcissist. Yeah. And just to pick up, finally, just to pick up on what Kevin said, I think some of the decisions I can excuse, I think we're in a very hazy point at the moment where referees are trying to let things go a bit more and I think that can lead to a lack of consistency um, if not applied correctly for both teams but in the first half I can't remember exactly who 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 it was on but there was a foul that um, was controversial that one of our players made on a Liverpool player in the Liverpool half and the whole crowd got got up and, and it was and everyone was raging and it was really aggy and what Kevin Friend did is he he uh, oh, no no sorry it was a Liverpool player and a Palace player and he wanted to let it go and he he waved the Palace player up quite aggressively like you've yeah. dived you've dived and I just thought 
That is so representative of how poorly you are managing this game because you're hearing that all of the crowd are getting on your back. The temperatures are rising. The players are getting aggy at each other. Don't do an inflammatory gesture. Mm. Calm the game down. If you really want the game to be calm and played in the right spirit, then you need to be a representative of that. And he just wasn't. Mm. And orchestrate, it's just inexcusable. I thought it was really pathetic. Uh, sorry, Jim, before I, I know Jack's waiting to, to have his say, but just on the referees being held to account afterwards, I think I think pre-VAR, referees wanted to be able to go on to camera after a game and say, this is how I saw that decision this is why I gave it and most football fans would have gone okay fair enough now you know why he's made the decision and half the time he hasn't made the decision so he can't be called to account and I think referees at the moment there is a kind of existential crisis going on with yeah. with referees and, and VAR and uh, Chloe's point about recruitment of referees is a point there aren't enough referees to do the games and VAR which is why we've got a lot of Australian referees because it's like the ambulance service is half Australian now because you've got you it's difficult to recruit so half the, of Stockley Park are young Australian referees with no experience of of Premier League football at, on the pitch who are having to tell Mike Dean and Martin Atkinson that they've got things wrong so they won't do that but they're happy to tell newer referees so there's there's a there's a disconnect at the moment between VAR and refereeing and it's it's it, it looks at the moment like the standard of refereeing is the worst it's been for a long time. But clearly, these are proper referees. Chloe knows herself what it takes to go through even those lower levels of refereeing. It takes a lot of, it takes a thick skin for a staff, but it takes a lot of fitness and it takes a lot of, you know, you have to know the game. These are FIFA referees, some of them. So they're not bad referees, but just too many of them are having too many bad games at the moment. And it's, we're, we're, we're talking about referees as much, if not more, as we used to before VAR. And Chloe's point about game management is absolutely right. That's important it's like yeah referees a ref once told me that if you're refereeing Cristiano Ronaldo the first time a defender comes near him you give a foul against against him so Cristiano Ronaldo, Ronaldo goes oh he's all right so he said otherwise you've got him moaning at you for 45 minutes so you just you just find ways of refereeing and of course some games teams you referee different to others but not in a way that he did it was quite clear that he was ref- setting different standards for us and for them was that Grand Paul again uh, no, that was Rob Styles, who I did a match of the day thing with. No. Um, I think Chloe's point about the sort of the atmosphere of of training and bringing referees through is an absolutely valid point. And I want to get Jack's opinion on that because I know that uh, from speaking to Jack after the game on uh, Sunday that he has also refereed, not quite at the same level as Chloe, but I know he has been in the middle. Before we do that, really quickly, um, some questions. Toby Kinder, nineteen sixty two. Hi Toby. Hi, Toby. Hi, Toby. Says, did you hear that Liverpool are ditching You Never Walk Alone as their anthem in favour of? And they sent a Spotify link to Carol King, You've Got a Friend. <laughs> well done, Toby. That's excellent. <laughs> Albert Harry. Harry Bassett. Those are pretty much the best Harrys Crystal Palace have had, but now there's another, as this week's episode of the FYP podcast is sponsored by harrys.com. We all know Palace are more than a football club. Well, Harrys is way more than a razor company. They're here to revamp your whole routine, much like Patrick Vieira has revamped the Eagles this season. From close shaves and flake-free hair all the way to clear, healthy skin, Harrys helps guys feel good. Harry's come personally recommended by FYP and they're offering FYP listeners a free trial set with a travel size shower gel. All you have to do is go to harrys.com slash FYP and pay the £3.95 for delivery. 
The trial set has everything you need. An expertly engineered weighted handle, a five-blade carriage that's made in Germany, no less, complete with precision trimmer, some foaming shave gel, a travel blade cover, and a free shower gel for FYP listeners. I've actually been using Harry's for a while and can say that the shave is as clean as a Michael Elise strike, and the shower gel left me invigorated like a last-minute Benteke winner at the Amex. Cleansing and exfoliating before you shave increases the chance of cleaner results, and Harry's shower gels, face wash, and skincare products can be added to shave plans anytime, anywhere. Plus, their products are formulated with 0% sulfates, parabens, or dyes, and unlike most of us at Celeste on Match Days, are alcohol-free. So give your own shower shave a go by redeeming a free Harry's trial set. All you cover is a £3.95 for delivery. Just head to harrys.com slash FYP to have your set delivered and start a shave plan. Your freebie will be added at checkout. That's harrys.com slash FYP. Um, Finn Powell Freeman uh, said, hello, uh, it's Kevin Friend of Scouser. Excellent. And yeah. Jamie Penston Raja. Uh, Kevin, Kevin, friend or foe. So very. <laughs> we're keeping on brand this week. Um, Jack, what are your thoughts on, on any things that come up there? But in particular, what Chloe's saying about the sort of the environment of, of, of training these refs and the fact that you will end, as a result, and of the way they are treated lower down, you will end up with essentially narcissists in the middle. And that's why you might get these kind of game management and these reactions from them. Uh, it, all really valid points. Don't disagree with the word that's been said so far. But just a quick question for Kevin, and maybe you can confirm it later. But due to the performance of the VAR, you have put a petition together to change the name of your pre-match watering hole. Is that is that true? <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll confirm that afterwards. Um, but well, on, the, the Porsons Farms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just. I mean, Craig Porson is getting less heat because he was sitting, but his uh, input. It, it, yeah, was, it was that was a baffling. That was a baffling. Just unbelievable. That was. But, a, I mean, yeah. You know. my opinion of and as you know, we got to our we got to our row, and, and my mate told me he was referee, and I, I as soon as I hear that guy's name, um, I think of a story which I heard on a, a another podcast. I think it was football cliches, and and they said the story about Kevin Friend. Somebody post match let him out of the car park ahead of him, and Kevin Friend did not say thank you. And I think that sums Kevin Friend up. I yeah. think that is Kevin Friend in a nutshell. And that's that's my perception of Kevin Friend all the time. It was before the match and it, it, his performance on Sunday just furthers that. I thought his performance, regardless of the penalty, regard, taking VAR aside, I just thought his performance was appalling. I, I, there, there was a moment within the first 10 minutes where Conor Gallagher went in on, um, I think it was Matip or Alexander Arnold, in the far corner from, from me. And it was a foul. And it should have just been a foul, play the free kick. But Kevin Friend was so overtly officious with Gallagher that I just thought, this is it. This is He's here to facilitate um, a, a result here. And it was just clear to me that his performance in the first half was was terrible and it just did not get better. Often with referees, I think the halftime break is their friend and they, they have a chat with their assistants. Yeah. And things improve. It didn't. That that has to be one of the worst 90 minutes of a referee's performance I've ever seen live, especially. It was appalling. I mean, there's so many examples. That the worst for me in terms of his, his game management was the Elise um, injury. When you have an opposition player almost insisting that the game is stopped because of something they've done. Yeah. I, I, I just don't think it gets worse than that. And I would hope that's, if if the only thing, that's what the Premier League or the PGO, PGMOL pick him up on in terms of player welfare. And that's why he should not be refereeing in the next game week because it was it was just shocking. He, he I, I don't think he did have control of the game, 
Kevin, I think you said that he you, you feel he did and his control of the game was bad. I don't feel he did have control of the game. And I, when, when I look at a referee's performance, I take that there's going to be inconsistencies in terms of decision. I get that it's subjective and sometimes you'll disagree with an opinion. But all I want them to do is control the game and control the spectacle. And and for me, he did not control that game. The, the yellow card to Gallagher, just completely perplexing. You know, I, I, I was a qualified referee and I when I watch games, I sometimes think I am looking at things slightly differently because of that experience. I could not tell you, I don't know if Chloe feels differently. I could not tell you what that was possibly for. It certainly wasn't for accumulation because I think that was Gallagher's maybe second or third offence. And Firmino had had several and actually left quite a late one on, on Mitchell in the first half yeah. and wasn't even spoken to. So that's what I mean by game management. It, apply the same logic and management of situations yeah. across the pitch. And he just did not do that. Um, and his arrogance is is there for all to see. And that, that falls in line with this comment about... Um, how referees come through the system. I, I did some research when I got home on, on Sunday night. That's his, this is his 13th Premier League season. Um, and I think it is a, a culture of comfort for these Premier League referees. A friend is one of them. Um, Martin Atkinson. These guys that have been around for so long. Um, Mike Dean. Um, I think somebody said if, if, if um, Sean Wright Phillips' son, uh, DiMaggio, comes up with Stoke and plays Premier League football in the next few seasons, Mike Dean will have refereed Ian Wright, Sean Wright Phillips and DiMaggio <laughs> Wright Phillips. Yeah, yeah. And, and you cannot tell me the lack of turnover of these referees is not a problem. Um, but while I say that, I then also think about comments I made previously this season about the performance of both Darren England in the Newcastle game and um, uh, Michael Salisbury in the Villa game. They're the up-and-coming refs. And for me, they aren't fit to to referee in the Premier League. I think we've seen that for our own eyes. So this journey from grassroots through to elite refereeing, as it's as it's kind of termed, really needs to be looked at. And I know there's a lot of pressure on Mike Riley, um, and I've kind of read that stuff and I've just kind of ignored it. But actually, when you are experiencing your team suffering at the hands of such awful performances, and it's I'm not, I haven't really even touched on VAR. I just think for a Premier League match, the so-called in, in, in the so-called best league in the world to be officiated by somebody performing at that level is a joke. And and that's really all I have to say about Kevin Friend. I, I just think it's a joke. And the next time he comes to Selhurst, if he comes to Selhurst, and I, I suspect he may be asking to not come to Selhurst this side of next season. Um, I hope he is reminded of, of the performance because I thought it was a, an absolute shambles. Um, and I, what was interesting is there were people around me who who do normally go on the whistle or if it's a win, they'll cheer the team off. There were people actively, I think, JD, you said you did this, people actively stayed mm. to give Kevin Friend some of the heat that he had warranted. Yeah. And for that to happen just shows how riled people were. In terms of the VR, VAR decision, as you say, JD, when when the camera when the, the shot comes up on the big screen, you you look at it and you think, okay, that is that is what they've decided. I can't really argue with that. But that one was genuinely perplexing. And what they do is on the big screen is they show the angle, the determined the determinative angle. If that was the best angle yeah. that made Kevin Friend think that is a penalty, that Craig Pawson thought I need to show Kevin this of a player actively running into an yeah. opponent. Yeah. I, I I don't know what we're looking at anymore. And it was at that point that my cousin who loves Palace, he he absolutely adores going to football. He just said, nah, I've had enough. If that's what's determining the game, I'm gone. And he and he walked out. And I I you know I, I understand why he does that, why he did that. I, I think that's enough to start putting people off football. If that's the type of decision that's going to be made to impact the game. And Chloe's totally right. We may well have not got that equalizer. But 90 seconds prior to that, um, Elise had just forced an excellent save from Allison. 
and we were on the front foot. So that that goal did temper any type of um, progress that we were making, um, and it yeah it really left a sour taste in uh, in people's mouths. And it means that we're not talking about what a good second half performance it was. Uh, but on the other hand, maybe the substitutions weren't great by by Patrick. And and we're not talking about that. We're talking about Kevin Friend, and we're not talking about the football. But anyway, thank you. I I will send you um, whatever you charge me for that because I feel much better for getting it off my chest. Yeah. Can I, uh, Jack, just offer a bit of insight <laughs> into, into into refereeing? The only insight Please. I have. Go on. When when you talk about half time and the ref talking to the assistant ref, so I did. I was lucky enough when I did match the day two. I was invited twice to spend the day with the ref and the two, and both times they allowed me. Amazingly, they allowed me into the dressing room at half time. That doesn't happen. The referees. The way the refereeing teams work, the refs themselves are tyrants. They're the king. Yeah. They're the boss. They don't talk. The, the The assistant refs talk to the ref when they're told to talk to the ref. And if there's oh any if, if there's any communication going on between the ref and the assistant refs, it'll be the ref telling the assistant ref. You got it wrong. Don't, don't yeah. Don't tell me when to when you're putting the flag up. I'll tell you this. Um, the 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 only time after one of the games, which is funny enough, was at Sellers Park. When I was meant to go back in, the referee, and I won't name them because I don't think that's fair, but the ref said, I, I don't want you in uh, after the game because we need to get our story straight before the assessor comes out, oh, essentially. Yeah. So they, these these referees, and that's the culture of referees, and all of them, they all love the game. These are all yeah. people that would have been professional footballers if they were able to play football. Yeah. They, love the, they love the game, and they, they think they're helping it, and they, and most of them will be will be shocked to hear the vehemence of, of uh, how we're talking about them. But there is a, there's a huge, there's no doubt there's a huge problem at the moment, but I don't, I don't know how that problem is solved or, or how, and also the other thing is as well, I can't, people were saying in the pub after as well, we benefit, I can't remember a game where for 90 minutes, it might happen against Hartlepool and the Hartlepool fans might think, oh, typical Premier League club, they got all the decisions. But I don't remember a game with us in the Premier League when we've ever come away thinking, thank Christ, that ref was on our side. It just, and it, it's funny you say that, Kevin, because I, I was trying to think of Kevin Friend and previous experience of him, we have benefited from him once before, which was the Villa game a few years ago, where they scored um, a goal in the very last minute of injury time, but he pulled it back for a dive so, yeah, 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 from yeah. somebody. And that was Kevin Friend. But that yeah. that is another example of him not controlling a situation. Yeah. And and I, we, but it's very few times. But I, I just feel like when you're playing against the top six, and, and I, I very much am not a conspiracy guy when it comes to football, or any, uh, sorry, listener, or any element of life. I, I don't want you to think <laughs> Let me talk to you about 5G in a moment. But um, <laughs> really, it, it's not, I, I don't talk about the big six or anything like that. But when you see a performance as bad as that, you then think, did the result the night before of City dropping points at Southampton? Is that a factor? And I hate thinking like that. Yeah. I don't want to think like that. I don't truly think that that was a factor, but it makes you think it. Uh, they're, well, they're, that is they're, exactly what just, I want. This is exactly what I wanted to ask Chloe actually, but to round off this part because, go on, go on. as you said, we do want to talk about the game as well. But exactly that, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist either. And as, as you say, I'm not even someone that, that leans into referee abuse. But it's the first time I stayed taboo. My dad was even joining in with the shit referee chance. And if you know, <laughs> as you JD said, as you do, that, that takes some doing. That really takes some doing for that to happen. But, Chloe, it does make you almost sometimes lean into that way and think, well, what is going on? As Jack says, was it the City result? When it, when performances are that ridiculous, it makes you start thinking ridiculous. Yeah, can well, I, for, for me, I try, again, also like you guys, 
Sorry, I try not. I try not to think in that way, and I think it's more just like you need to think about individual human psychology rather than like a conspiracy theory against t- certain teams in the Premier League. I think that, like, the unconscious bias of re- referees is clearly prevalent. It's clearly there because every single person in the whole entire world has unconscious bias against someone or another. Yeah, and I don't think we. Uh, well, I, I don't. I don't sit in their training. I don't sit in their meetings. But if they're not having conversations about that, then they're really missing a trick. Because, uh, like, you know, just thinking about if I was standing there in the middle of twenty five thousand people calling me a wanker, I think I'd probably feel a bit upset and want to give do, do something reactionary. But that's why I'm not a referee. You know, at, at, it's the it's the same thing with the police. Like, you know, they. They all wear black and make weird decisions against people that don't deserve them, you know? I, I just think I think I think managing sports psychology around referees, a good quality of sports psychology to say, look, you need to go through it's not don't go on your reaction, really. You need to go through an extra thing of thinking and go, hang on, is, is this tainted by something else? Which, again, I understand we're asking so much of the individual. I, I appreciate that. But surely, surely that is something that they need to think about in terms of, of, um, of that. And, and do you know what? Do you know what? I'm, I'm so, I hope I don't offend anyone by saying this, but it, it smacks of a bunch of blokes who are the sort of blokes that think they're right all of the time. And I genuinely think if you've got some women in there who are socialised differently to men, then it might be a different experience. I agree with that. And I think with the um, the appointment of female referees to um, other competitions, I think the UEFA Champions League's had one. I think... Um, was it a major tournament? I can't, AFCON, I can't remember, AFCON, but they're AFCON, 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 AFCON this week. That's yeah, of course. That's what I'm thinking of AFCON, and and you're seeing it, and those and, and the FA Cup has had it, and and, had and, it. and you're seeing these games going on as any game would. So it dispels any sort of myth that it's going to change the way the game occurs or anything like that. But the the ref the Premier League has yet to go down that route, and I think Sean Massiellis remains the only female assistant referee, and she's been a very good one at that for a very long time. But there hasn't been an appointment. She's quality. She's very good, and she often does the big games, which I think is kind of a nod to the fact of her capabilities. And, and you know, I, I, I personally, I don't even th- think of her as being different to the male referees, female, it doesn't really just, she's part of the official uh, group. And and I, I do wonder whether but we are closer to, the, to an appointment within that elite group or whether it's going to be a kind of just a novelty thing. And they're going to appoint the, the, the best performing female referee for one game and it will happen once and then it won't happen again, mm-hmm. but an appointment to that group. And because as I said earlier, that, group of core referees needs chopping and changing that group is yeah, too content yeah. they're too comfortable and for too long it's been the same names i mean last season lee mason in a in a premier league game west brom against brighton allowed a goal that shouldn't have happened or disallowed a goal that should have happened and and completely lost control of the game that's and really and i think it was thought that that will stop that will end his premier league career he's still on the list he's still around he's still doing stuff what does it take for these referees to be demoted yeah not a lot nothing apparently the other brilliant thing about Sean Massey, as she was then, was that she was uh, directly responsible for yeah. Richard Keyes and Andy Gray 
Yeah, I, I'm very grateful for that. It, it, was, it was her that made that, the, the abuse she got when she made that offside decision, yeah. which was proven to be correct almost immediately, was horrifying. And that's one of the reasons, I mean, she's a brilliant official and she got rid of those two reprehensible pieces of shit. Yeah. So she's very high on everybody's uh, good list. And I think we have the title of this week's pod there, JD, Reprehensible <laughs> Pieces of Shit. <laughs> I'm going to call it, we need to talk about Kevin Friend. Um, just, uh, Chloe, you're going to say something there. Yeah, yeah, I just think it's important to remember that, like, there is, like, we don't have to live in, like, a post-gender or a post-racial world. We just have to acknowledge that we do interact with people differently and that's okay as long as we're, like, aware of biases that we may have against people. But that also includes positive things, which is that I think sometimes men respond differently to women and it might be that if you put a woman in the middle of the pitch that it immediately diffuses situations a lot more because I'm sure that these blokes have sort of a set of moral values which is that you at least publicly (laughs) um don't sort of be seen to be abusing a woman um so maybe that could diffuse things but i also think it's important that the point that kevin made of like let's not do it let's not tokenize anyone let's not rush anyone through because we want to tick a box i think do it in a managed way and protect officials whatever a race or gender they may be because you know have we ever had a black referee yeah, yeah, he was a karate expert, so he didn't tend to get any stick. Yeah. But to <laughs> okay. my to my to my shame, I can't think of his name. But there's an Asian guy who's running the line in League One and League Two. Yeah, and he was asked recently, you know, why are there not more Asian people coming through to referee? He just went, mate, try running up and down the line with me for ninety minutes, yeah, yeah. and you'll have some indication of why there aren't yeah. more people of of colour. I, I, I don't think people realise the challenges of referees pursuing, and, and perhaps you should offer some credit to those that have gone through to the top level of sticking it out. Refereeing at grassroots level is horrendous. Yeah. It is horrible. It can, sorry, it can be horrible. You could, it can be very nice, and I think that's. That's the hope that most, maybe those that have gone through to the top level have had nice experiences, have been lucky to avoid it. But when you hear about being, people being chased into car parks or being assaulted on a football pitch, who the hell is going to want to do that? Yeah, and half the time it's by parents in, in kids' games. That well. was my experience. I, I predominantly refereed youth football and, uh, you know, ch- children up to the age of 16 were relatively decent. Some of them had learned bad habits from what they yeah. watch on television and such. But it was the parents. And on multiple occasions, I had to advise the parents if their behaviour didn't change, wow, the game really? would be ended. Wow, really? And and that's what wow. you're facing. And I just think yeah. that journey from grassroots to professional level has to be looked at. Otherwise, we are going to carry on boring listeners by talking about referees for future pods to come. Yeah, yeah. That's, the, that's the truth. Well, that is, thank you, guys. That's been a very interesting sort of wider discussion around the issues. Of that, and it does sound like things do need to change. But what also needs to change is us from part one to part <laughs> two. What are we doing? Oh, we're doing winners and losers. I wonder who the losers are going to be. <laughs> Let's find out after this short break. We all take on different roles every day. One minute you're a parent, the next a chef or a driver. 
That's why the Volvo XC40 Recharge is designed to be as versatile as you are. It's fully electric and includes a 360-degree camera, Google built-in, and more. Contact your local retailer to learn more or visit volvocars.com US. The Volvo XC40 Recharge. For every you. Some equipment optional. Google is a trademark of Google LLC. When was the last time you found a professional look that fits so well you felt like you could take on anything? Indochino believes you shouldn't fit your clothes, they should fit you. Your body, personality, and style. Because finding the perfect fit is about more than your measurements, it's how you show the world who you are. Design every detail of your suit to be totally you with Indochino's new women's wear line. Simply submit your measurements online or visit an expert style guide at an Indochino showroom. They have hundreds of high-quality fabrics and details to choose from and are always adding new options, so you can add your own flair. With endless ways to customize, designing an outfit is easy. Just tell Indochino how you want it, and that's how they'll make it. Find your perfect fit and stand out in style with a custom suit from Indochino. For 10% off, use promo code WOMEN when you visit Indochino.com to book a showroom appointment or place an order. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, promo code WOMEN. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Welcome back to the Fabio Plan Podcast. Wait, part two. It's time for winners and losers. This is, of course, our patron-only section. So, if you want to hear who our winners and losers are, go to patreon.com, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash f-y-p podcast. Um, if you're listening on the public feed now and you're not a patron, you're going to hear a clip from the Pod Extra uh, this weekend. Wonder what they were talking about on there. Um, and if you like the sound of that as well, sign up to our patron and you get post-match pods every single week. But let's make the split now. <laughs> Sorry, can I just ask Tom a quick question before we go on to that about VAR, someone that works in the media? Do we know, Dom, is there, there a statistic currently for the for the Premier League this season as to how many VAR corrections there are on average in a game week to week? Well, there will be. Um, there will be. It'd be something you'd have to... Because it seems to, to me there's quite a lot of errors then. Like, there, there seems to be an awful lot of incidents in the games that I'm watching, you know, so they're there clearly appears to be, you know, a good number of errors. And as for the looking at the screen situation, that's just pantomime because I don't think the referees actually looked at the screen yet and gone, no, I was right the first time. I'm not changing my mind. Do you? I mean, there was one very means, early on. There was one or two you, very early you, on, and they and they were sanctioned. They weren't sanctioned, but they were they were given a rap across the knuckles for it. And, and that, to be honest, if you do that. They're not going to change their mind. If you've got somebody who's who's sitting there out of the heat of the action, um, with no emotion whatsoever, 
in Stockley Park making a decision and telling you you got your decision wrong and you you really got this wrong, Kevin. This is completely wrong. You have to do something about this. Then I can sort of see why he would be influenced on it. I mean, but I mean that doesn't say a lot about Craig Paulson either. To be honest, it's, uh, oh, don't. It's just such a wind up. It really is. The whole thing Sorry. is frustrating. But yeah, we'll, we'll move on. Um, Sorry. But the, yeah, it's one of those things. But the, the, yeah, so in terms of the actual match itself, we really should focus a little bit on what actually happened outside of the referee's influence. Um, first half now, it, it wasn't great, was it, Dom? The kind of just the approach of uh, Palace's approach and the way that Liverpool kind of overrun us, the midfield especially seemed to struggle. What were your thoughts on the lineup that we started with and, and kind of what we saw as a result of that? But definite concern. I mean, the the lineup, the midfield in particular, given that, that Millwall and Brighton had caused us plenty of problems, Brighton in particular, against this midfield, and it was so open and so so off the pace. It, it, it was a massive concern when you're coming up against Liverpool, and and a Liverpool that was that were really stung and, and motivated um, into into responding for, to Manchester City's draw the previous day, and for that first half hour. It was brutal viewing. It really was. I mean, it was they, they swarmed all over us and swarmed through us almost at will. And we were we we defended, I suppose, manfully. We had an awful lot of good fortune as well um, to to stay afloat in that period. But we we clung on to it. And I mean, the concession from the first goal is infuriating. A very clever piece of play by Fabinho to block off Schlupp and Anderson and, and allow Van Dijk a free run, but naive on Palace's for, part again in terms of... They, they were aware of it, Dom, as well, oh. by the way. They'd seen it several times during the week, examples of it happening. And I think it was Mark Geffer who was actually responsible for picking Van Dijk up in their, uh, in their uh, planning in terms of defending the set pieces. But sorry, carry on. Well, Sorry, I mean, look, they, they didn't know at all. It was great delivery from Robertson again, but but I mean, it, awful. And and every time, in fact, they won a a, a corner, a set play of any kind because we, we could still conceding too many free kicks in wide areas. Um, it, 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 the nerves were jangling, but not only that, but through an open play, we they just they smothered us. We couldn't get out. We just simply couldn't get away from our own half. And and to me, that that's. There is an element of culpability there, in, in in terms of certainly in terms of the players, but also in terms of the coaching staff, because I, I do think that, that there probably was a, an argument that, that Liverpool were going to start like that, and you, you'd have to try and find a, a bit more steel and a bit more experience to try and get out of it. And look, I, I know the arguments for and against Luka Milivojevic. We've we've seen we've seen his performances; they're very very patchy, but he made an impact when he came on at Brighton positive and negative as it turned out because he had a part in Brighton's equaliser but but this was probably the occasion to have a bit more of a spiky presence in in, in midfield if he, if he could be a tackler in there that's uh, not to say that he necessarily will be and, and he is probably as good as we've got without Kiate in that role uh, it, it was it was too obliging it was too you know make yourself at home basically to Liverpool and and I, actually, that the way that we responded from from two 0 down was was fantastic. And there were there were sort of hints at it at, in the period up to half time. And then when he he switched the system second half to something nearer a four four two, 
actually we looked a lot more comfortable and we we weren't asking Jeffrey Schlupp, who isn't a central midfielder. He's just not a central midfielder. When he was playing further out wide left, he looked he looked far more of a threat and, and more balanced to the team. He put that excellent pass in for um, yeah, Edward really uh, for, for Mateta to, to I thought he to I thought he came good actually also when he was asked to play the holding role at the end of the yeah. game. I actually thought from being at the game, now again I haven't had the benefit of seeing everything you've seen. I thought Jeffrey Schlapp was our best player from being so, at the game today. I would say for the first half an hour, he was not, from my from my hmm. perspective of watching it on the television. It's probably just the way it ended, Rob. You know he, no, I mean? but he, def- yeah. he definitely yeah. grew into yeah. it, but I think his role changed. Yeah. I think that instead of... So the way that I think we started is we had Hughes and Schlupp basically playing as a kind of midfield defensive too but with the the aim with Schlupp was always and and you could see it in the in the first half that that when we got the ball he would try and offer himself up turn and run with it forward and be kind of a driving force through the middle and it just didn't work because whenever he got the ball you ended up with players kind of swarming around him and it, it just got very awkward for him but in the second half he just kind of it became more of a pivot role where he ended up passing the ball a little bit more and, and distributing it to other players. Hughes, I thought, started to really kind of get involved a bit. I, I felt in the first half he was just he, he he just lacked a little bit of that kind of bite and physicality that we like. Um, and then Gallagher as well. And, and again, it's one of those things that we really have missed with MacArthur is... Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> it's one of those things we've really missed with MacArthur is this... is. A player that can find Gallagher. Did, on a did he just pipe up when you? Did he just pipe up when you said MacArthur because he's a jock or not? Yeah, that that's exactly about? it. Yeah, Cameron <laughs> is very much as a Scotsman himself. He he's very very supportive oh, oh. of MacArthur. He's, uh, he's drumming my chest with his hands at the moment. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Babies are weird. They're lovely. They're just absolutely gorgeous, but they do absolutely weird things. So, yeah, uh, fun times. Um, but yeah, I, I I do feel like the midfield was a little bit porous in the first, especially in the first thirty odd minutes, but. It, that there was a change, there was a kind of approach, a change in tactics, a change in layout, a change in kind of where players were being positioned, and it did improve matters. Um, um, well, that brings the end of our uh, our winners and losers. We started off not talking about refs, we've ended up talking about refs Sorry. again. We couldn't avoid it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, if you're listening on the public feed and you want to hear what our winners and losers are, go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash FYP podcast. Uh, also, if you liked the sound of the post-match pod uh, clip that you would have been played as well. Um, let's take a quick break. When we come back, questions. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month. 
a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Una de las especies más peculiares del mundo latino es el Padreus protectorus, que vive colgado encima de sus hijos como un koala. Vamos contigo por si le pasa algo a tu auto. Mamá, voy a estar bien. Pero este instinto sobreprotector se está extinguiendo, porque State Farm está ahí las 24 horas y los necesitas. Así que los padres finalmente están soltando a sus hijos a la naturaleza. Nos mandas fotos. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Llama para obtener una cotización hoy. Welcome back to the Funny Plan Podcast. Pod four one four, and it's question time. Now we have answered a lot of questions in uh, part one, as you can expect. So let's talk about something that isn't referee related, but is Chloe Mateta related? Because uh, lots of people are tweeting us talking about how much they like Mateta, and I have to admit, I think that was Mateta's best performance in a Palace shirt. Um, I know he doesn't still offer. A lot, but he did get to... <laughs> I don't know, there's the big caveat we have to give Meteta, which isn't great when you're talking about a Premier League forward, uh, but did get into a lot of position, good positions, had a good couple of good chances and was very cool, of course, laying it onto a plate for Odson Edward uh, for the Palace goal. I said on the post-match pod, and it might have been the post-match sort of euphoria slash anger, that I actually think we should keep him. I actually think we should keep Meteta. I'm warming to Meteta, and I don't know if it's just because he feels like a Palace player. He's quite unpredictable, and there's just something about him that feels very palacy. I no way for me is he better than Benteke, but really no. But I'm warming to him. So anyway, let's get your opinion. But let me chuck a few questions your way. Uh, Rune HDK, hello Rune. Hey, Rune. Says uh, keeping Mateta and selling Benteke seems ben- Mateta is getting more and more settled. And if Benteke is sold, it could fund Enketia. It does sound like Enketia is not going to happen, though. To be honest, um, CPFC Monko eight, hello. Uh, Monk, uh, do you start JP and is he a prospect for the future? Would you buy him? And if so, how much? And then I think someone else has asked, well, uh, Steph, Steph Fuller. Hello, Steph. Hello, Steph. Uh, should we sign Mateta and sell Benteke? He doesn't suit how we play and look to sign another forward. Um, and someone else did ask, would you trigger the uh, the, ben- the Mateta money? Uh, Chloe, where, where are you on the Mateta versus sort of Benteke? Situation? I have questions before I make my decision. Okay. <laughs> How old is Mateta? 23, 24, Okay. I think. Yeah. And what's the buyout clause? About 14 million pounds. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, fine. Take him. I, I think we can get... <laughs> 24. We can ease... 24, 14 million. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Take him. I think he's massive. He's huge. And he actually wins headers the way that Benteke doesn't. And he has a good touch, the way that Benteke doesn't. And, yeah, I think, like, he's going to be a sort of a bit like Bashwai, maybe, where he'll have an explosive, like, five games, and you're like, this guy's a real deal. We're going to lose him. We're going to lose him, you know, back to Chelsea for Bashwai or or to a big club, and then he'll go seven games, and you're like, what's gone on here? (laughs) Um... But yeah, I think I think, but that's what a Palace player is. It's like, as you say, unpredictability. It's um, you know, uh, yeah, 
I, I, I take him and I love, I really love Benteke as a man. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, and I, like, I really do love what he's got done with the club and like for the club. And he's never, he's never given up. He's never got his head down. He's always just tried his absolute best. Um, but yeah, I just think it's, it's possibly time for him to go. Yeah, it's bad. I mean, Bete, Beteke is 31, so you've got a seven-year difference, which is obviously key. Um, and I can't really believe, a couple of weeks ago, I'd have never been saying this about Mateta. And I, I still think Benteke is a better all-round player. I mean, he's more experienced and older, obviously, which comes into it. I think he's proven himself in the Premier League, which obviously Mateta hasn't done yet, although obviously he's played far fewer games. But there's just something about Mateta. Jack, he feels... Palacy, and and I, even if we did sign him fourteen million, I wouldn't be confident that he'd even score five, six, seven goals next season. He could easily do nothing. But then Menteke did that no. for three years, and we stuck by him, like you know, like no fans at any other club would have done. I don't know why I'm suddenly going down this Mateta route, but I thought he was good on Saturday, or as good as he could be, if that's a compliment. I hope that's a compliment. Um, and he's sort of, he's he's playing his way into my heart, essentially. <laughs> So, but where are you, Jack, on this? I'm not where you are. <laughs> I'm not there. I, I don't, I'm not seeing it. I mean, I think he's, the last month or so, he's been better than I thought he would be, but I'm still not thinking that signing him is the the answer. I mean, I, I said a couple of weeks ago, but for the money that Mainz are asking for, we got Edward for the same. And I, yeah. th- I do think whether we hold that money in reserve for the summer and look at deals that might be available in the summer, that would be my preference. I, I, if there's a way of reducing that fee to maybe single digit millions, you know, eight, nine million, then maybe, but 14 million pounds for a club like palace is still a fair amount of money. And I, I, I think there's got to be better quality out there. Well, I thought he did play well in parts on Sunday, but for the first 35 minutes, he was non-existent and was a big factor in why we couldn't get out and we could not stop Liverpool dictating the play. I, I, there were times when the ball was with a Palace player and there was nothing, and I was looking to see where he was, and he was just nowhere where a midfielder would be expecting their central striker to be. <laughs> he was hiding behind uh, defenders. He was looking at angles that I just don't think are physically possible with a football. <laughs> and and when he did cut and throw into it, the key example where he almost had to be told where to be. I think there was one time where Will Hughes literally went and picked him up and said, here, this is where Tyreek needs you to be to actually have a chance of winning the header. And it's things like that. I, I, I just don't think he's up to speed. I've commented several times since he's joined about his um, physical capability. I felt that he, he, he wasn't fit enough to play that role. He is getting fitter. He's lasting longer and he's um, impactful for longer on the pitch. Um, and, and I'm happy to see him stay for the rest of the season. I think um, if, if he was to be the third striker of Benteke, Edward, also complimenting IU, Zaha, um, Ebbs, if you want to include him as, as part of the front three options as well, that's fine. But I think to invest the the degree of money that's required, specifically with this current clause of 14 million, um, I'm not sure I'm, I'm, I'm that keen on us spending that much money on a player that has only shown glimpses so far. For me, he hasn't dominated a centre-half yet. And, and that's what I really want to see from a guy who's going to play through the middle like that. I want to see him dominate centre-halves and I, I touched on it um, before Christmas in the Everton game and I, there's lots of things I could say about Benteke I don't think Benteke is anywhere near the level that he should be at and that he showed towards the end of last season um, when when he was looking for a new contract different story um, but 
when Benteke came on against um, Everton uh, for the last 20 minutes there, there was a moment where the two centre-halves, I think it was Mason Holgate and Michael Keane, actually had an argument because of how much Christian Benteke was battering them both. And at the moment, I don't see centre-halves having any difficulty in, in managing Mateta physically um, at, or as a, as a goal threat. He did do very well for the goal. The, the best part about that goal was the pass of Jeffrey Schlupp and Mateta yeah. did very well to um, get the ball under control and lay it off very nicely for Edward. It was a very nicely worked goal. Um, but I felt Liverpool kind of contributed to that goal by being so high and, and, and I'm, I'm still of the suspicion that Virgil van Dijk was drunk on Sunday. I, I don't really know what he was doing for a lot of that game. But I, I, I like Mateta. I've seen parts of his game which I think prove as to why he is playing at the level he's playing at. But I, I just don't see it consistently enough to think that Currently, fifteen million pounds, fourteen million pounds, whatever it is, euros, pretty much the same right now, um, would um, <laughs> would would actually be a worthwhile investment. I, I trust the recruitment team at Palace to be pinpointing better value signings for that part of the squad. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's rumours that Mines don't want him, so you have to imagine Palace Chloe maybe actually negotiating that. And as Jack says, you get that down lower, it might work. And the point about Benteke is fair as well. The, the things Mateta isn't doing. Benteke hasn't been doing either when coming no. on recently and has failed to impact games. And, and neither is Edouard when playing through the middle. Although, I, I don't think we've got any great option through the middle right now. True, although so it's funny you say that. <laughs> start again. We just like play the kids. It's, I mean, Edouard, just a quick nod, is obviously actually having quite a good run. Three goals in his last five, nine in total this season. I think it's fair to say that signing has been a success, although Ashad says out of position. In fact, Chloe, if I could just quickly put a question to you from one of our listeners from Charles Meyer. Hello, Charles. Hello, Charles. He says, um, Vieira went with two strikers up top for the second half and we did well. Should he consider that starting off games this way? What do you think about that? And that throws in the option of having more strikers. Like he, he did that when we went 2-0 down. He called Edward over immediately and we went 4-4-2 for the last 10 of the first half as well when we created chances. So it was, it was just, more than just second we, half. We'll just go the whole hog and get Roy back in, shall we? <laughs> Maybe we are just a four. Maybe we are just a four-four-two team. Maybe he's unavailable. Just... He's unavailable, Chloe. Yeah, not yet. We could yeah. we could sneak in and do a deal. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to say. I... I'm not sure that four-three-three is really working. It, it works at times, and then I... let's just let's just have both in our locker, like. And 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 hopefully Vieira can sort of make those dis- decisions a bit earlier, those tactical decisions. Like if he sees that the game's getting away from us, he can just sort of make those tweaks a bit earlier. Yeah, and it is, it is it is it is obviously encouraging to have a manager that is bold enough to do that. And the fact that it was effective is good. And I and I, and I agree with Jack. Like I wouldn't be Mateta wouldn't be my first choice. I'd still mm. probably play Benteke or Edward, but as an option, I just think he's interesting. And I just I. I'm yeah. sort of slowly falling in love with him. And he's, a think, he's, he's a project. He's a project. He's a project. He feels palacy. He feels palacy. And and to me that you know that's the beauty of football, really. And that happens now and then. Players come along and they feel palacy, and he does. Too. Maybe old palace. Because you look mm. at Elise and Eze, they feel like new palace. Mateta feels like a throwback to old palace. And clearly I missed that for some reason. Um, <laughs> anyway, guys, I think we've got to the end of this week's podcast. Obviously, no game to preview, so no part four this week. But we've crammed in so much to that episode. Uh, so thank you so much. Chloe, it's been lovely having you back on the pod. And I hope that you'll come and join us again soon. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Always a pleasure.
Fantastic. Kevin, of course, has left us. If anyone's wondering, he left us before uh, the pod. Part three. The pod. He's left, He's the, left pod. the pod. He left yeah. the pod. Sorry. He left the pod. He hasn't just been, you know, been very quiet. Um, so it's just the three of us for part three. Uh, Jack, it's been uh, great having you, as ever, of course. Um, so I'm sure I'll see you again very soon, probably next week. Uh, uh, yes, well, well, thank you. Uh, I feel better for getting off my chest because um, there wasn't anyone here that wanted to hear the Kevin friend rant again, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> apparently once heard is, you know, enough. But, you know, whatever. Well, we hope, obviously, that our, you know, our listeners found that cathartic as well, because obviously we've had a lot of time talking about referees in part one and part two, um, but it needed to be said. Uh, so thank you very much for listening. Thank you to our patrons, of course, patron.com slash FYP podcast. Uh, there'll be a post-match pod. There won't be one this week. There might be. I think Robin and Dom and Sylvia are thinking about doing some sort of transfer window reaction thing. Um, so keep an eye out for that in your patron feed. But the main pod will be back. In fact, we're taking a week off next week. So we're back in two weeks for the main pod um, after the Hartlepool game. Uh, and which, of course, there'll be a post-match pod for as well. But in the meantime, enjoy your non-Palace weekend, whatever you choose to do. And we'll see you again very soon on the FYP podcast. Goodbye. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Podcast Network.